Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning, your host of Ask a Coach, the Windermere podcast. In this podcast, we'll tackle some of your toughest real estate questions. Each episode will provide you with detailed answers and proven solutions to some of the biggest challenges facing realtors today. Thank you for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning, and welcome to the Windermere Ask a Coach podcast. And this is where we tackle some of your toughest real estate questions. And we talk to uh, tried and true professionals in the industry that are doing well in the topic that we're talking about. And today, we actually have three guests today. We have uh, Lewis, we have Max, and we have Shauna. And they come from us from different areas of the Windermere Network. And uh, so just real quickly, so we have uh, Luis Munez. I knew I was going to mess. See, I knew I was going to mess up your last name. You got it. You got it, buddy. Right. Okay. And Luis, he's been in the business nine years, but six years specifically in luxury real estate. And then we have Max and it's Rombach, right? Yep. And Max has been in the business 19 years and seven years in, uh, in luxury real estate. And then we have Shauna Adder. And Shauna, you've been in the business 26 years, one year longer than me. And you started in 1996 and you kind of jumped into uh, luxury right off the bat, right? Pretty much. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. And so, uh, Lewis, you're in Woodby Island. And for our listeners who are outside of the Washington area, kind of tell us a little bit geographically where that's located. Sure thing. So Woodby Island is uh, it's a large island just north of Seattle. Uh, approximately 35, 40 minutes uh, north of Seattle towards the Canadian border. And it, it rests out in what we call the Puget Sound in between the peninsula and the, and the uh, mainland area. And it's kind of divided, right? Because there's a military on one side of the island and then on the other side of the island, not. But it, there's all kinds of uh, really nice high-end homes in that area, right? Exactly. Uh, like I said, it's a very long but skinny island. It takes almost an hour to go from one end to the other. So you have a couple different, few different worlds on the island. You have South Whidbey, uh, very uh, community oriented, um, lots of art, uh, arts and, and dining. And, and then you have Coopville, Central Whidbey. It's more rural setting um, and farming and the arts as well. And then the north end does home our uh, Naval Air Station up there. And so it's a much uh, larger population. Larger population. So... <laughs> That's all. And then Max, now you're in one of the fastest growing areas uh, considered in parts of the United States. You're in what we call the East Side or the Bellevue area. Tell us a little bit about your market. Um, yeah, with very, very uh, tech oriented kind of location. Um, I specialize primarily in Kirkland and Bellevue. Uh, every once in a while we venture out, we get to Seattle, but that's rare. That's only when uh, when requested. But I try to spend all my advertising dollars, all my all my time, uh, focusing on the east side. Um, definitely have a lot of tech with you know Microsoft, Google, Facebook, you name it. Everyone's here now, and the growth has just been exponential here. Um, 
my primary, primary focus has been Kirkland for probably about seven years. That's where I spend the majority of my, uh, of my dollars. Uh, and that area, I mean, I, I used to hang out in Kirkland. I used to live in Seattle. I grew up in, uh, in Shoreline, Richmond beach and always came to Kirkland to hang out. <laughs> Kirkland was kind of the spot. And that was before Google, before Amazon, before everybody. And it was just always kind of a coveted little location. And uh, I, I think when, as I grew in my real estate business, I wanted to find a focus. And I said, where do I love? Where do I want to be? Where do I want to live? Where do I want my kids to go to school? And we picked Kirkland. Yes. So um, refocused. And for our listeners too, Kirkland uh, borders on uh, Lake Washington for the people that are familiar with that area. So one of the, the one of the biggest lakes uh, that's right next to Seattle. And then uh, we're kind of Seattle's in the middle of Lake Washington and Puget Sound. So a lot of really high-end residential properties and uh, real estate. And then Shauna, you are in uh, the Seattle market, correct? Right. Which yep. is also booming, according to uh, Matthew Gardner, across our economy right now in the United States. So tell us a little bit about your market. Uh, so I kind of, um, I went to school at Seattle University, and I my first job in real estate, which was 26 years ago at the, I'm sure I was 12, um, just to be clear about the numbers there. But um, <laughs> uh, my first job in real estate was at a boutique, uh, res- high-end residential real estate firm in a neighborhood called Madison Park which is um, one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in in Seattle and working with agents that um, basically had been working the high end um, for many, many years, including Ann Dover, who was founder of the Dover Group and Kitty Hughes, who's still a broker and um, founded Madison House. So um, basically kind of the opposite of Max. If, if, is, if it's in Seattle within one of the higher end neighborhoods, I've probably been there. I did have a stint as a um, a, an agent, a listing agent for a luxury builder in West Bellevue. So we did eight projects over there over the course of five years. Um, so I occasionally go to the, to the East side, but like Max, I'm probably 80% Seattle and, uh, you know, 20% East side. I go where my clients are, but just because of the history of where I started, it makes, you know, generally the clients tend to be there. And same thing as Max, I moved to my neighborhood, to get my kids into a school at the time, Seattle Public Schools, you had to live close to the school to get your child into that school. So, um, yeah. So there you are. There you are. Well, you know, I I want to thank you three for being here. And, and the reason why this is important, we've had a lot of agents that have requested. Well, this luxury thing, this it's a different animal, so to speak. And one of the things when we teach Ninja, you know, we talk about ways to increase your income so you can have a life. And one of them is to become a great listing agent. The other one is to increase your sales sales price, your list price. And many times agents say, well, what if I did luxury? Wouldn't that be great? And so one of the first questions I'd love for you guys to address, and you guys can choose who wants to answer it first and go around, or kind of round robin, if you will, but how is luxury different than say the everyday residential real estate a transaction? I mean, what if you were to kind of think about the difference, what what stands out to you in that world? Or is it different? I guess that's kind of the question. I can answer that question because <clears throat> I, I think, you know, a lot of Lewis and uh, Shauna, you guys both have been in the business for, you know, a long time. And, and your focus has almost from the start has been luxury, Shauna, for you from the very get go. Mine wasn't. Um, I didn't come from any real estate background. None of my, none of my family was in the real estate business. 
uh, I just decided, you know, I was doing sales and I wanted to sell houses. I mean, I started in the mortgage industry for a couple of years when I was 19, just kind of, you know, through college and uh, want, but always wanted to deal with people uh, at, in their homes and sell homes, right? And my dad was uh, uh, just kind of starting to get into the mortgage industry. So we kind of, I kind of worked with him and I would take business just about anywhere I could get it. Uh, and my, my parents are Russian. I was born in, uh, in Ukraine. And a lot of that business was, you know, that native uh, group of, you know, Russians, Ukrainians, and a lot of them live in Auburn or Marysville or Edgewood. I mean, there was one day I drove to Marysville. I used to live in, my first apartment was in Linwood, little 600 square foot uh, studio. And uh, I drove to Marysville to do a deal at 170,000. And the same day I drove down to um, Tacoma to do a listing for 90,000. Mm-hmm. And in my, in my head, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'm I'll 21 years old. I'll, I'll, I'll drive anywhere for three <laughs> grand. No problem. Uh, <laughs> so, what I did find that, you know, I think a lot of the, a lot of the clientele luxury or not, they all still want the same customer service. Right. And the luxury, the difference from luxury to non-luxury is perception. It's what what you believe in your head. And that's what, for the longest time, I believed that, oh my gosh, there's this two different worlds that divided luxury and non-luxury where was that line was it a million dollars or was it seven hundred thousand i used to get excited about a seven hundred thousand dollar listing back in 2004 2005 and i got one at 2.4 one of the builder friends had a listing had a house that he built in bridal trails and it was this gorgeous uh, georgian colonial on on an acre lot and i dealt with those clientele the buyers and the agents, because I was present at every one of those showings, uh, we did, you know, some brochures. This thing sold in about a week, but I met about 15 people. And I found that there really wasn't very much of a difference at all. Um, just people, right? And it was a lot of it is just in your head of like, okay, I have to treat people differently or I have to uh, behave differently to fit into that market. And it's completely untrue. As long as you're still yourself, and care about the client you you can you can appeal to any one of those groups right so at some point i decided it took me a while to kind of get get myself refocused from hey i just need to make money and go anywhere and any everywhere say okay i can separate this business of of going to places where it's inconvenient for me because i can't serve the people that are closest the best I'm going to refocus on my on the luxury business on the higher end, um, and all my advertising has to look a certain way, just more elevated, right? I mean, just actually just starting to market myself instead of just posting on Facebook that I have a uh, I have a listing coming up. Um, put, actually, refocusing my brain that okay, my regular business is going to be over a million dollars. I don't, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily luxury. So in my opinion, it's just about how you think about real estate and, and washing that line in between. Because to me, it really didn't feel like there was much of a difference. Maybe I, maybe I treated the non-luxury clients uh, the, better than everyone else that, that maybe does. I, I don't know. I don't know what the difference yeah. is for me there. But I feel, I feel like from the very beginning when I got into the business, I felt like customer service was key. Right. I, I 
listened to a lot of uh, a lot of books and read a lot of books, and it was just all about relationships. Real estate was not necessarily about the houses that you're selling and the price points that you're doing. It's just about how you treat people and and the relationships that you develop and those circles that you can in, you know get into and spend right. a lot of your time and focus. That's just the business that's going to end up flowing. Right. Yeah. I, what I'm hearing you say is it's just uh, th- those those groups of, of clients are in areas where if you do your marketing and you're networking accordingly, you start to engage in that level of business. It's not that it's one or the other. And I think that, and that's one of the things I want to ask is there's a fear that agents have, oh my gosh, but what if I screw up a luxury transaction? I said, what if you screw up any transaction? Have a consistent process and a exactly. system, right? Shauna, Lewis, how about you, the two of you? Well, I wouldn't, I have to agree with Max. You know, when I look into, when I look at a sale, a listing, uh, my clients are going to get the high, the highest uh, customer service that I can provide. Now, you know, the marketing is going to be different and so forth. And you know, the difference between the two, we could go into the finishings and all that. But what I, I think of when you ask that question right off the bat is probably the difference between <clears throat> the clients themselves. And I'm not talking about how much money they have. Um, what I'm talking about is, you know, generally speaking, someone in the luxury market is probably more than likely bought multiple homes in their, in their lifetime. So, you know, working with them and kind of what uh, their expectations may be um, in the process and so forth. It's, it's a lot different. A lot of them have the experience. um, Whereas um, in, you know, regular residential, you're, helping them lead them along the way. And you still do that with the luxury clients a lot for sure, but um, it's just different. It's, it's, it's elevated. I think there a lot of times the expectations are higher. You got to be sure that you have that conversation early and you set the expectations for, for both sides to make sure that you're the right fit for each other. But um, you know, outside of, of, of the homes themselves um, I think, that is one of the main things. And and then the language too, the way um, you communicate about a home is, is much different, I would say. Well, and, and so from what I'm hearing from you is it's the confidence in yourself to be able to be in that arena with that clientele and be confident that you're bringing that level of service that they expect because they've been through it before. That- Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. John, how about you? I, for the most part, agree with Lewis and Max. I think that, you know, in the, in the sense that I did start in the luxury realm, I did actually have to break out on my own at some point. And I did the same thing. I mean, I drove to the same thing. Like I was doing $90,000 condos on Capitol Hill. I mean, that's, you know, no problem. And I think when you treat all of your clients the same way with the same respect and the same processes, processes, and that, that, that you're going to serve them no matter what, because you're doing the best you possibly can serving your clients. So I think that's important. If I were going to pinpoint any differences that I see just in the general market in, between luxury and non-luxury, I, you know, historically it did take longer to sell luxury homes. So frequently you did have to create a different marketing plan on a listing for a luxury home than you would have on, you know, a more standard property. Um, and obviously there's, you know, there's different, um, marketing programs through Windermere, for example, that you can apply towards the luxury market. And then I would say adding the layer of, to Lewis's point of 
understanding whether that CEO or CFO needs to obscure their identity on a purchase and just having the knowledge that you need to successfully and confidently take care of any person, but in particular, the nuances that come with a luxury transaction. Yeah, it sounds like sensitivity to the clients and letting them know that you understand that level of it. And then also, I love the fact that you just said, uh, dial in your process, which goes back to what uh, Lewis talked about is confidence, right? So the more you have the processes dialed in, the more confidence you have to show up. And then the other one, I love that going back to Max is just believe in yourself and just say, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not whether it's luxury, it's residential. It's just that this is what I'm going to go do. And that's just where I'm going to, I'm going to do my business and manifest that um, and what you want to accomplish. So, so here's, so here's, here's my question for, for all three of you. So now, so you're in real estate, what, what would be some advice you would give to agents that have not been doing luxury that want to kind of dip their toe in the water or get into that world? I mean, what's, what, what are, are there steps to it or do you just dive in? I mean, what, what would you say to somebody who said, well, I want to be in luxury real estate. How do, how do I start building that level of business? I can start off with saying that, um, when I got into the business in 2014, um, our market is pretty diverse here from multi-million dollar beachfront homes to fishing cabins left from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and everything in between. Um, so when I started, um, a lot of people, I was talking about really wanting to get into the luxury and talking to local agents here and not just Windermere, but other offices, networking. And I, I kind of got this feeling that people were a little afraid to just commit to it um, because they, you know, the million dollar listings were few and far between at the time. Um, and so they were afraid that they were going to miss out on, on the lower priced uh, residential listings. And so no one was really willing to commit. And I think that's probably one of the number one things is, um, you have to fully commit yourself and don't be afraid to, to dive into it. And the number one thing I would say is, is prepping for that. Um, I was at the luxury breakfast this morning and uh, Ty Evans from uh, Windermere Bainbridge uh, gave some advice on to some of the, the same type of thing. And she gave this advice to me um, back in 16 was, you know, she told the crowd, you know, Lewis, go out and buy yourself a couple of luxury signs, you know, put them in, put them there, be ready to go. You know, you got to start getting in that mindset because um, that's going to help improve that confidence that we talked about earlier. Well, and I, I like that is already assuming you are right. And so what, what would a luxury agent do? We'll start doing those things, start doing those things that a luxury agent would do. Shauna, Max, what, what would you say? I would, um, I, Definitely agree with Lewis. I think a couple of things, aligning yourself, if you don't have, because you can't just manufacture a luxury listing or a luxury buyer. Like, right. so <laughs> saying as an agent, like I want to get into luxury and just saying, you know, materializing that client or client base is not possible. So a couple of things you, in my opinion, that you can do, I am so sorry about the no big worries. Thing. It's all good. Um, We're good. I'm trying to figure it out, but I keep <laughs> muting and then it does it when I'm not on mute. Don't no, no, um, worry about it. It's all good. Aligning yourself. I mean, I, along with the agents that I worked for, for early on, I had, there was an agent in my, um, Windermere agent, Carol Burns in my neighborhood. And her husband was a 
um, an orthopedic surgeon and I knew she had a great client base and I offered to write all of her advertising for her because she hated doing it. She mentioned that in a meeting once she's like, I hate writing ad copy. And I'm like, I'll do it. And that gave me a relationship with that person. And she eventually started saying, Hey, can you come in and help me with this buyer or this seller? And so, and then when she got out of the business, you know, she was probably 15 years older than I was, I am. And she said, you know, I have this great agent who understands what I do, understands my process is aligned with what I do. And I feel confident in her skills. I'll never forget the time she went to Mexico and she had a listing in Broadmoor and I had to negotiate it at Washington Park Towers for her client. And they, you know, it was a success. success. And so again, going back to the confidence, I had the confidence from the experience, but then I was able to not inter- inject myself into the situation, but offer to help. Um, and I think that's great because I think some agents these days think they need to ask to be part of something on a commission basis. And maybe that's not always the best way to present yourself as a, as a viable option to an older agent that's been doing it for a long time. I, I kind of had to earn my stripes. So offer to earn your stripes. Um, and then I would also, um, say in that same vein, while you, you know, getting into the market and, you know, I guess not fake it until you make it, but being part of that environment is great. But then also going back to the ninja principles of, involving yourself in day-to-day things that are going to put you in a position to be exposed to people that might be involved in the luxury market. I, for example, I play tennis and you'd be amazed at how many people in a tennis club at Central Park, you know, don't know a real estate agent in Kirkland, right. Max. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I live across the street from Central Park. <laughs> Apparently I need a sign in the driveway <laughs> um, or basically I, you know, I joined a book club 20 years ago and it was called the power chicks. And these were attorneys and doctors and architects and wealth managers. And so, you know, helping those people that also have a connection to that world were how some of those bridges were built and they're not built in a day. But I think going back to the first point, you can, get yourself into the environment quickly by offering to help an agent that repeatedly works in that, in that uh, realm. Right. So I, 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 what I heard you say is, you know, you identify maybe this agent's pain point and then offer a solution to that pain point. That's not necessarily being compensated, but you're helping them and you're gaining knowledge in the process. Right. Right. I love it. On the job training. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. On the job training. Max, how about you? Uh, I agree with Sean a hundred percent. Uh, I actually know a broker who had just gotten into the business. Um, I don't know, it was probably five years ago. <clears throat> All of a sudden, I started seeing him popping up as a co-listing agent uh, with a few brokers in his office. And he was he identified some pain points, marketing specifically for some of these brokers who were actually pretty busy but didn't have the staff. Um, I think it was uh, I don't know what was what was lacking, but he came in and, and elevated their marketing even though he, he came from a marketing background. So he came in and actually elevated their marketing of each one of the listings. And all of a sudden now he's showing up as selling these houses. He wasn't earning a commission on any of these, but he was actually learning. He was getting to go, go into those meet. He was getting to meet with those clients, the buyers, the sellers, and kind of getting the, the feel for the interaction. I think, you know, if there was, if there was, 
one thing that I could tell myself back in, you know, go back in time and go four or five or six or something and tell myself what I could do differently that I could, that I'm doing now. And that is getting into those more of those communities, like the tennis clubs and the golf clubs and whatever, whatever passions that you have. And more than likely, you're just getting to meet, you know, yacht clubs. I mean, it's just, you're bound to meet with you know wealthy individuals and being around those people and learning how they're interacting and and making connections network going to every network meeting that you could possibly get your get yourself invited to playing golf with people <laughs> I, mean, I feel right. like i feel like you're just you know just being out with uh with the crowd i, I think there opens up a lot of opportunities um i i, I kind of feel like the i'm losing my train of thought <laughs> No, well, one thing I would, I would say is this, is, you know, uh, we think about, uh, we, we say to agents, you know, invest in yourself and investments can be, you know, uh, so you love boating. Would it be, would it behoove you to join the yacht club? You know, I love to go, you know, uh, there's, there's social clubs, there's, you know, you can go to the WAC downtown and, but you just don't go in there and not talk to anybody, but jo- get involved in those clubs and what they do in their gatherings and their social organizations and even get on the committee, right? Where your name now starts to get recognized yeah. as somebody, you know, because so many times I think we focus way too much on, I just got to find a transaction. If I get a transaction, I'll be successful. No, build a relationship, build a sphere of people around you that trust you and like you, right? That, that know you. And then from there, that business happens. But it goes back to, I think, what you're saying is an investment, right? You know, if you look at your money you're going to spend, are you investing it smart in an area where you know that you're going to possibly tap into that clientele? But once you tap into that clientele, how are you becoming valuable? Yeah, and it's like what Lewis said. uh, It's being prepared to do business that you don't necessarily already have. When when we decided to kind of shift our market, uh, shift to a higher end, price point i'm not even calling it luxury because we're doing stuff you know luxury with i think it was considered two plus and but we were doing you know i was trying to get into the million or million five or something like that or at least having a focus in a certain neighborhood i started door knocking i started cold calling i started going to pretty much all of the events that you know like that join the chamber i started advertising on adworks i bought some zip codes on zillow I mean, I was doing anything and everything, but it was only focused in a specific area and a certain minimum price point. I wanted to, and I actually got some business from cold calls, got some business from door knocks. I mean, it, it was just a matter of, of focusing my time and energy in a certain area. And yes, I went out and got the premier signs, even though I'd never seen, uh, I never had a premier listing. Uh, I bought, I, I think I bought uh, two W collection signs when WW w started. I didn't, I didn't have a W collection listing for, I think, two years. So (laughs) it's just a matter of, it was just a matter of being ready and having my marketing pieces all dialed in. So the minute that someone called me or I ran into someone, I could actually put together a marketing piece and show them in a listing presentation what, what I do, you know, I'd never done it, but what I would do for them. Right. Right. So help me understand this. So where where are you learning about uh, the marketing and the dynamics of what you're doing differently with luxury? I mean, where is that knowledge coming from and and how are you tapping into it? I met with, uh, I took Rick Franz out to to coffee back in (laughs) 2008 or 2009, 2009. And I, you know, I I went to his, you know, uh, uh, kickstart, what do you call that? Uh, uh, Pro start. Yes. I did the pro start. I, I, I wanted to learn everything because Rick was 
the king. I mean, that guy was doing a ton of luxury business back then and uh, still does. But uh, I wanted to learn from him and he was he was a great teacher. Right. And he explained a lot of things and uh, what our marketing needs to, needs to specifically look like and what a listing presentation and a luxury appointment might look like and what you should be doing to market a house. So um, I got a lot of a lot of knowledge from him, but I was watching. I went to a lot of brokers opens, took everyone's uh, uh, brochures to see what they were doing. And I followed everyone on social media and I was learning what other people were doing before I started doing it myself. I love it. How about the two of you, uh, Lewis and Shauna? How, how about you? Yeah, I am. Um, it's funny uh, Max says that because it was the same thing for myself. Um, my first million dollar listing was uh, co-list with, with Rick, with Rick Franz. And uh, ever since then, um, things just started going forward. And so I try to surround myself with uh, people in that field, um, just absorbing everything I can, continually learning uh, going to any networking event I can and, and then watching what everybody else is doing, you know, um, there's just so many great agents out there and, uh, you know, communicating, not being afraid to ask questions. You know, a lot of times, uh, when you first get into it, um, someone can be a little nervous to, to not ask questions, you know, and just be humble and let them know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new at this. I'm, I'm trying to learn. Um, and uh, a lot of agents out there are going to help you along the way, just like Rick did with us. Um, so, but I'm constantly looking through magazines. You know, uh, our, we have a lot of great resources through Windermere itself, attending events, luxury events, whether it's, you know, luxury portfolio, uh, international conferences, or, um, you know, Inman in the past and different things of that nature. Um, but I just try to surround myself with uh, other luxury agents and try to keep on top of trends as much as I can. Yeah, I think it was interesting. Uh, there was a, an article that I just read the other day called The Shift, and it was five things to think about with the shift in the market. One of them is your group of people will determine where you end up. And so, you know, it is who you're hanging out with, right? And the people that you choose to surround yourself with and the stories that get told. So that's a big one. Shauna, uh, I know you were with uh, Bob Benny and Bob DeVille. I mean, and they were they were they were kings of doing luxury real estate uh you know i've i've known them and seen tell me a little bit about uh what you did to kind of uh you know figure out okay what are the things tools that i'm going to use to really set myself apart um so funny enough absolutely they were it was like getting a master's degree in real estate working for them you worked really really hard but um it was a lot of fun there were a lot of boat rides involved and palm Mm -hmm. springs trips and but there was also good outcomes. And I would, I would say there's a couple of like this, I hope I'm not getting too philosophical here, but there's a couple of underlying principles there, which is one, never take yourself too seriously. Like, even if you're working in the luxury market, people still have a sense of humor and people still, you know, some of the best agents out there that have ever worked the luxury market. When you think about it, Wendy Listers and they're iconic, right. And they're, they're iconoclast. They're not, they're unique, big personalities. They were never afraid to be themselves and they they were never trying to turn themselves into something that they weren't. So I think a genuineness about who you are, if you don't appeal to someone, that's okay because someone else is going to appeal to them and you're not their person. I lost a listing recently to an agent that I just was like, oh my gosh, I run circles around this person. And when I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm kind of bummed. I didn't get this listing and this person got it. And when I said it was the other person, he's like, Shauna, honey, 
if that person is their person, you are most definitely not their person. So, right. and I was like, oh, that's, that's right. <laughs> like, like they're right. Why am I trying to be someone I'm not? Like, I'm never going to be that person. Um, and then I would also say that being focused on the process, not the outcome, because mm-hmm. people see it when you're focused on the trend, the dollars and cents. Yep. So if you're, fo- if you focus and it's like this in life, it's like this in sports, it's like this in business, focus on doing the best you possibly can in every moment throughout the transact, throughout the process, not the transaction, but the process. And if you do that, you, even if you didn't sell the listing at the end of the day, you did this great marketing piece, you feel good about it. And you can relay that to your client and they sense that from you. So understanding that it's not, I mean, we don't control the outcome all the time. We just don't. I'm a control freak. So this is a huge life lesson for me that I've had to learn over 30 years, which is focus on doing your best in the moment. If you lose the match, but you played well, you can sleep at night. So no, I, well, I love that because, you know, I think a lot of times we get tied up in the outcome and not in the process. The other one is um, I, I, what I see with really, really phenomenal luxury real estate agents is also they understand the concept of moments of truth. And what I mean by that is if I call them and I get their voicemail, amazing. I get their marketing material, amazing. I go to their Instagram page, slick, looks nice, professional. Uh, I meet them in person great, right? And there's all these moments of truth where I just don't have a a scenario where I get a bad experience, right? And all of a sudden your brain says, wow, okay, they have a process. And the other thing I notice is consistency. Like you guys uh, both talked about Rick, and I know you also talked about the Bobs, but there was a level of consistency, no matter who you were working with them, you were treated in in the same fashion, right? It, it, Mm. It wasn't like, oh, well, because your home is less than this one, we're going to do things differently. It's like, here's what we do. This is how we do it, right? And I love Deshauna's point. And if it, and if it's a match for you, terrific. If it's not, guess what? That's okay. It wasn't meant to be, right? You can't be all exactly. things to all people. Yes, you can't be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. So the, a couple of things came up here. And is this the other thing that I, I do want to point out? You know, you can't be successful in a vacuum. And uh, this is a contact sport, meaning you got to get out there and network. But mm-hmm. where are some of the great, and I know we just had one today. So give me some of your, your great networking experiences. You know, there's a lot to choose from. Uh, what do what do the three of you do when it comes to networking with, you know, because a lot of this business, I got I got <clears throat> a referral business that goes on. Where are you networking and what are the groups and what are the things that you feel that are giving you the most bang for your buck? Well, I, you know, I get a lot of my business through referrals, through a lot of agents on the mainland. You know, it's a destination market I live on. So a lot of second home referrals. And for years, um, my number one thing is, as you just said, was, you know, just showing up um, at the luxury breakfast, for example. But um, I try to make any time Windermere Services or W Collection team uh, throws an event, uh, I try to show up and be present. So I'm not just a voice on the other end of the phone. Um, you know, I want them to uh, see me, uh, put a face to the name as much as possible and get to know me as a person because they're they're not just sending me their clients because I can uh, just get the, the transaction closed and, and to the finish line. They're choosing me a lot of times too because uh, they know my character. They know me as, a, as the human I am. And- right. 
they can see um, whether or not I'm going to be a good fit for their client. So, um, you know, luxury breakfast has been fabulous and it's just coming back. So I'm excited about that. Do you do any of the other like Inman Connect, yeah. those luxury events? Or yes. Anything? Yes. Yeah. In the past, um, uh, the luxury portfolio in Las Vegas. Uh, that's great. There's a ton of agents there. It's a couple days full of classes uh, all day long. I mean, there's so many to choose from that um, it's wonderful. And then I've done Inman in the past as well. Uh, so all really great events, I'd say. Okay. Max, Shauna? I've done all those events too. Um, I think my, um, just like to Shauna's point, I, I, I played a lot of tennis and it took a, <laughs> I get very, very competitive. <laughs> so I had to stop. <laughs> so, because I started playing in matches and, and tournaments and whatnot, but uh, we joined the Bellevue Club when we, when we, our kids were born, I have uh, twin, they're now 12 years old. Um, we joined the Bellevue Club, spent a ton of, a ton of time there just you know, working out and playing tennis. That was one place I met a ton of people. I would just sit there instead of going to the office and sitting there uh, working from a dark, uh, dark office. I was at the Bellevue Club and I just, you know, get to meet a lot of people there. Um, I started playing golf. I, I, think, I think I started playing golf like five or six years ago. We joined Overlake Country Club. I meet a ton of people there. I, I go and hit balls there pretty much every day, 30, 40 minutes. I, I told people I'm kind of new and uh, yeah, <laughs> meet right. a lot of people that way. Uh, my kids, you know, you, you meet people at kids school. My kids, uh, we put our kids into uh, St. Thomas because, you know, we wanted the best education uh, and it's turned into network, a very, very good community there. But I go, I went to all the Kirkland and Bellevue Chamber uh, events. We just sponsored the uh, Kirkland Chamber of uh, Peter Kirk Classic at uh, Echo Falls, we had a, we had a booth there, and you know, got a ton of people that that signed up, uh, handed out a lot of goodies and things like that. So just being involved in a lot of the communities, I think, uh, has been a really good source. But yeah, I mean, my business is now uh, it, it is a lot of referral, but because of you know every listing, you know, I always believe that every listing or every deal that you do, it needs to be milked like it's your only listing that you will ever have or every only deal you'll ever have. And that goes from, I sold a house in one neighborhood, represented a buyer, it wasn't even my listing. And I went and door knocked and said, hey, I sold a house over here. And, you know, maybe, do you know anybody? Maybe I can find, right. as I'm door knocking, I'll find somebody else who wants to sell. I'll, and I ended up putting it one deal like that together, end up getting a referral from them. So, you know, I, I found that some, some deals will turn into multiples. I mean, I've, there was one open house, I met five people and that grew to 10 transactions just from referrals out of those or some way that it was connected to that one open house. So um, another thing I just thought of is uh, holding open houses for other people mm -hmm. in an area that you don't have any listings in, but want to get exposure in was another really, really good uh, thing that we did. Um, again, just talking to people, right. Just talking to people right. in the neighborhood um, and finding a network there. You, you, you'd be surprised when you're, like you said, you know, uh, Shauna said, being genuine and just not taking yourself too seriously. I've never had a scripted uh, phone call. I've never had a scripted listing presentation. Uh, it's just like you are at, open, at an open house. You, someone feels like they're a match and you can hit it off with them and that'll grow into something. And treating every listing presentation the exact same way, but being authentic 
being professional and having, like you said, having all of your platforms, your voicemail, your Instagram, your everything matching you, your personality. And those are the people you're going to attract. And those are the people you're always going to work well with. Um, I get turned down at, at listing, listing appointments and, and I'm like, Ugh. but at the end, at the end of the day, my wife will tell me the same thing. You probably just weren't their person. Yeah, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't connected to them. And one thing I want to uh, point out that I heard you say, and I think it's a, it's a big piece I want our listeners to hear, is um, your next transaction is bet- embedded in this transaction. And one of my my experiences in neighborhoods, uh, my neighborhood specifically, is that you know there'll be there'll be uh, properties that will sell, and we you won't see anybody. Nobody nobody's leveraging that activity. Nobody is is coming to the door and saying, hey, by the way, you know, this home sold. We just want to let you know there were four buyers, which means there's one offer and there's still three buyers interested in this neighborhood. Or here's how the sale of this home impacted the value of your home. And I got and I got to believe and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong or right about this. But I got to believe even if you're that luxury clientele, you still have an interest in knowing how the sale down the street that's in your luxury neighborhood impacted the value of your house. Yet I hear agents say, well, but they're luxury people. They probably don't want me to give them a proper review. No, they probably would love to see a proper review, right? They probably would love to see some information, knowledgeable information that comes from you to help them better understand how their home is being impacted given the current market conditions. Um, so what I what I heard Max saying is work work your existing business to generate more business and not just look at it as a transaction. Shauna, how about you? What, what would you say? So I would say... Um... Some of us are social introverts. So door knocking <laughs> beyond belief, Max, like the thought of knocking on someone's door, I would rather poke my own eye out with a hot <laughs> <floor>. <laughs> um, but, but don't that do being, that. Yeah. That being said, so here's my suggestion. And again, I go back to the book club, which is funny. It can be anything. It doesn't, first of all, sponsorships, sponsor things that you support as a, um, as a, you know, from a philanthropic, philanthropic standpoint, people are dying for marketing dollars to put on programs for school auctions, for, you know, a healthcare funding for, there's so many people in need right now. So either, I mean, I just saw an agent in our office started a putt, a, like a putt putt golf tournament that he's doing on an annual basis. Now that's brilliant. I mean, right. Brilliant. So get yourself involved in things that matter to you. Again, going back to the genuine part of it, do things that you really do care about. Because then when you're in that environment as a social introvert, you don't feel so uncomfortable. You're not knocking on someone's door. And I would also say, same thing with the book club. If you, like, I was invited to join a book club, but there's nothing saying I wouldn't have started a book club. Like you could, you can do that. Like start a book club or some other social gathering. Like if you play tennis, start playing tennis with a few people at the courts on such and such a date or pickleball or whatever your thing is. And this really does dig so deep back into the Walt Fry Ninja, yep. which is you, you don't, it can't be something that you feel like is a chore. It's got to just be part of your daily life. I mean, I know a lot of people have kids. A lot of people have pets, go to the dog park, start talking to people at the dog park. And then once you have those, that client, um, and obviously this fits for clients, you know, luxury or not. But then you've got to make them a stark, raving, mad fan of yours, right? You have to make them crazy for what you can give them. And that's where I think people forget that the, or agents forget that the, it's really the devil is in the details of the follow-up um, and really letting people know there's, I, I send flower pots 
from a from a um, philanthropic group that I belong to, to all of my the women, the female, you know, the wives that own houses in my neighborhood that I know from my kids, I send those out to them. So making it personal, not just a a blast of an email or a newsletter, but actually having that physical thing. Um, and there's, you know, I'm not doing it with the hey, list your house with me someday. I'm doing it because I want to share with them the philanthropic philanthropic X, Y, or Z that I'm doing. So. Right. Well, and, and here's what I hear when you're saying is one is uh, unconditional giving. You're not giving for the sake of getting business. You're giving because you truly want to give and you find value in what they bring to your relationship. And so therefore you're giving that. Um, and then the other one is this is being genuine to who you are. Right. And if it doesn't exist, then go do it. And the other piece is this, if I am going to go to a dog park, we'll go to the dog park, going back to what Max and Lewis said, go to the dog park that's close to that high-end neighborhood, because that's probably where the high-end clients are bringing their dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if you know, if you have a dog park and it's not next to that neighborhood, well, let's, let's be a little, you know, scientific about what we're doing and get to that laser focus, going back to what Max said is, you know, target the area you want to be in and then become the realtor of choice in that area by providing value. Right. And, 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 and however it's genuine to you is what I'm hearing. And, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and if you really think about the stuff we've been talking about, it goes back to just simple principles of building strong relationships and being an abundance mindset individual. I mean, it really comes to that. And then having really good professional processes and systems like you would do if you were running a business. 10,000 hours. Yeah, 10,000 hours. Yeah, master it, right? Get it, get it, get it uh, mastered down. Now, one other question, and this wasn't on the thing, so I I'm th might throw you off. But the question is, uh, how many of you right now are working with somebody in addition to on your team? So you have an assistant or you have, I mean, do you guys have a team that you're working with on that level when you hit that level of business? Um, <clears throat> I do. Um, I have... I worked for a very long time. So I've been in the business now 19 years. I got my first assistant in uh, through the downturn. I was doing short sales. So I had an assistant for a few years then that was helping me negotiate deals. Um, but then I went back again on my own and I'm like, well, I don't need an assistant. I'm, I can handle 80 deals in a year. No problem. Well, what I found out was actually not doing a very good job, not maximizing every listing opportunity, every buyer opportunity to grow that, like we said, working that listing, uh, working that deal. And I don't know, I, I would guess my customer service may have probably been uh, not as top notch. My communication right. may, may have had holes in it. It wasn't until probably 2015, 2016 that I realized that um, I'm working my ass off and I keep hitting the same ceiling every year and I could not break through it. And I felt like I had, I was, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have enough time to spend with my family. Anyway, I wanted to do the same or more business, but I also wanted to do it better. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do, I wanted to spend maybe less time or less stress. So I hired one assistant. Um, I, I, at one point I had a, a group of four and we've, had some turnover right now. I have uh, my wife is now full time marketing uh, manager for us, uh, and I, I, you know we're we're averaging about a listing a week, and there's a ton of work that goes around that. And the we have a client services specialist that that manages you know listing prep. As we know, any listing is going to take time and take a lot of effort to make it perfect. I am very type A, and I want it 
absolute perfect. I'm going to go through all the efforts and the conversations, the, the heavy conversations with clients. That, I'm sorry, your furniture or that paint job, eh, it's probably not going to appeal to the masses. So let's do this. So there's all this planning that goes along. So we have one person that manages that. We have a, and we have a transaction coordinator that handles everything that's that's in contract. Um, so I found this is a really good dynamic, but at least having, when I grew to one assistant, I felt a different level because I could focus my brain on the sales and what can I do to market that one listing rather than, oh my God, did somebody deposit earnest money? Um, and for years, Matt DC told me, you're doing more than 20 deals. You need to have an assistant. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, and I didn't realize it until I, because I'm very efficient and I was yeah. working 6 a.m. in the morning until I was going to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and it was nonstop. And I felt okay, but I realized that there's more to life, right? Yeah, there's, there's work-life balance, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and my business actually doubled once I got an assistant. Yeah. It did double. That's what we see happen. How about for uh, Shana, Lewis? Yeah, the same thing for me. I um, About a year into diving into the luxury market um, in 2017, I took on, took on an assistant, and it was just a game changer. I, like Max didn't realize how much I was managing on my own, how, how, how much work I was doing. Um, and it just allowed me to elevate my customer service, um, be able to focus and give more attention to my clients and, um, and increase business. Yep. At first I thought, uh, you know, look, crunching the numbers about having an assistant. And, but after I did it, um, it was, it was worth it. And our, our business has grown each year since. That's terrific. Sean, how about you? So I've had an assistant. I've had a pod coordinator. I've had shared assistant. I had a partner for a while, as these guys know. And I do have what I call a director of operations. She's basically a really advanced assistant with a license. Now she's been with the company for years and years. And then I hired my husband to Max's point with his wife as my field representative um, for listings because we found that it was really hard to secure handymen and people to watch listings and everything in the luxury market needs, you know, people want to give you the keys and walk away and not right. be bothered with watering the lawn and changing the light bulbs. So we have a field representative, my husband that does that. And then I also engage with, um, you know, some junior agents, I don't have a partner anymore, but I engage with some younger agents that I feel like have been kind of that five-year stretch in the market and have they're luxury curious and want to um, kind of involve themselves in the luxury market. And then I'm also looking, I'm on the um, kind of the sundowning moment here where I'm the, the horizon is not as long as these gentlemen that I'm speaking with. So I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, in 10 years from now, I want to be that Carol Burns that can say, right. hey, I've groomed these people and this is a great opportunity, you know, great option for you my younger client base or whatnot. So it's, yeah, just learning how to, I've seen some pretty ugly exits from the business. So yeah. I want to make sure that I manage that, that transition. Gracefully. Yes. Gracefully. Um, yeah. So not a huge team. And I also think that in the luxury market, um, you have to be really careful with the team because a lot of your, like I have clients who are, they don't even like other agents knowing who they are when they come to see houses. So passing along details that matter to them to an assistant or even a director of operations 
has to be messaged properly from the start. And then there's some things that you just can't do. They don't want to hear that your director of operations or transaction coordinator knows specific intimate details about their financial situation. So just managing how, um, how much of a process you are. And not only am I a type A max, but I'm a control freak on top of it. So I don't let people do that stuff because I just know that I've got to redo it myself if I give it away. So (laughs) yeah, I had to, I had to pull that back. I was way over, over the top. I was redoing all my assistance work. Uh, (laughs) Well, and I, and I I asked that question specifically because what we see is that, um, you know, agents do hit plateaus, but when you get to that, that, that um, luxury world, you know, there is a different level of, of, of service you're providing and being able trying to do it and manage it all yourself. You're not going to give that level that they expect. And if you look at all the other services that the luxury clientele work with, they're not just working with one individual. Normally when they hire somebody, it's a team and there's somebody running it and, and you're doing the things that you're the best at and then taking everything else and making sure that it's run at a, at a high level with assistance. So that's just why I ask because we have people go, well, if I get in the luxury, do I have to have an assistant. Yeah, at some point, that's going to be something that you're going to do. So, um, hey, you guys, I want to thank you. I don't want to take much more of your time, but I want to thank you for uh, for being here today. Any any last little nuggets of wisdom you want to you want to lay on us before we before we end this? Any if you had one thing to say to somebody who said I'm going to be in luxury, is there any one thing you'd say? I just I just like to reiterate to those thinking of diving into that luxury market, um, start preparing now. Be prepared yep. ahead of time. Yep, I love it. Um, and by the way, for the listeners, if they want to get a hold of, of these three, uh, Shauna, can you get me, you can reach her at Shauna, S-H-A-W-N-A at windermere.com. And for Max, it's Max R at windermere.com. And for Lewis, it's Lewis Muniz at windermere.com. And his last name is spelled M-U-N-I-Z and Lewis is L-O-U-I-S. And so uh, you guys, I want to thank you. Thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. It looks like it's going to be nice and hot in all of our areas, which we're not really accustomed to this heat so much in the (laughs) Northwest. But uh, you guys have a great uh, rest of your week. And uh, thank you so much for being here. And for our listeners, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what we're doing, please feel free to share it. Uh, Give us uh, some feedback. If there's a certain topic you'd like us to touch on, reach out to me directly at fanning at winnermer.com. And we'll always end these number one by saying thank you to our uh, our guests. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. And everybody be awesome. Help somebody and make it a great day. We just want to thank you for listening to Ask a Coach, the Windermere podcast. If you found our content helpful, please feel free to share it. And we always end our podcast by saying... Be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.